I promise. We came to celebrate tonight. I'm going I'm to I'm draw your attention. I'm going to draw your attention to the, the place that they call the skull, Golgotha. If you just can, in your mind, if you have a little bit of an imagination, if you can just in your mind's eye, maybe you want to close your eyes, you don't have to. But you just want to imagine this hill, this Golgotha. And on it, there's three crosses. And as you come up to it, in the middle is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And to the right and to the left, there's two criminals. And they don't get a lot of attention, and, and they really shouldn't get a lot of attention because in the middle of them is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, the Savior of the universe, the Lamb of God who was worthy to be slain before the foundation of the earth, the God who was who created and formed all things, the God laid there in human form between them. And, and the one on the left was hurling abuse and, and sarcasm and, 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 and joining in with all of the, the soldiers and all of the things and, 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 and sarcastically referring to him as the king and sarcastically referring to him as the son of God and, and was just, just hurling abuse at him. And he remained silent the whole time. And the one on the right, he began to rebuke the one on the left. And in some of the dialogue, and I'm sure that we don't have all the dialogue, but in the dialogue that's recorded, he looks over and he says, do you not even fear God? Since right now in this moment, you are under the same condemnation. Meaning that right now in this moment, minutes from this very second, this is the thief on the right, rebuking the thief on the left, trying to bring some reason, trying to bring some logic to him. And he's looking at the thief on the left and he's saying, don't you, don't you have any fear of God? Don't you understand that you're under the same sentence of condemnation? Meaning that minutes from now, you are going to face death. You're going to taste death. And, and he, was, he was confused. He was perplexed as to why he would even take this. And then he starts to turn his focus to Jesus. And there was something about this. There was something about him who understood Jesus. Either he saw Jesus. He knew Jesus. He, he, he saw the miracles. He, he knew the life of Jesus. There was something in him. But he knew beyond the shadow of a doubt. He knew one thing about Jesus. He knew that he was innocent. And he knew that he should not be on that cross. And there was a, a question mark a little bit. In the tone of the thief, of this criminal that's on the cross. And he's saying, I'm, I'm guilty. I, I'm, I'm about to die. I, I'm being crucified. I, I'm suffering the wrath, and I deserve every ounce of it. But I know that this man here in the middle, this man next to me, there's something about this man. I know that he's innocent. And then he looks to Jesus, and we'll come back to this. And he looks to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. There was something about the thief knew in, the, in his inner self. There was something in his heart and in his mind. He knew that somehow in the death of Jesus rested some source of life. And he was perplexed, though, why this man had to die. And, and, and he started to ask questions in his heart and in his mind. Same questions that we ask all the time. Why did Jesus have to die on the cross. Truly, we don't really think about it, especially if you grew up in church. If you grew up in church, you never actually really just contemplate the reality of why Jesus had to die on the cross. It's just something that you don't, you, you learned it in, in, in second grade. You learned it in Sunday school. You learned it on those, those little weird, ugly looking flannel board things. If you're old enough, people want to, people ask, why, why didn't you go to church growing up? Because it was horribly boring. Right? Somebody told you a story that, and you haven't thought about it in 50 years, 20 years, 30 years. 
The reality of Jesus having to die on the cross is made so clear in Scripture, but none more clear than Isaiah 53. In Isaiah 53, throughout this, this beautiful prophecy of Jesus, God gives significant insight. And he says that my son will come to the earth and he will be crushed for our transgressions. He will be crushed. He will be beaten for our wrongs, our sins. He says ultimately that the, the sorrows of the world will be brought upon him and the whole sin of humanity and history will be laid upon him to bear. It says that he bore the sins of humanity upon his body. And I want you to understand something about the sin that he bore. I want you to understand something because we have a thing, and if, you, if, you, if this is your first time here, you, you've come to pursue the last few weeks. We've, we've talked a lot about sin and fighting sin and battling sin, but there's, I, I still want you to understand the essence of sin. I want you to understand the essence of, of where sin started so you can understand the essence of why Christ had to die on the cross and, and what he was truly accomplishing for you. See, the thief said something that was so profound to me because unlike so many human beings, he understood who he was. He understood that he was guilty of wickedness and evil and sin. And he said, I'm about to die a horrible, painful death, one that I justly deserve. But the sin of humanity wasn't the breaking of some commandment. Sin did not begin in an act of breaking a commandment. Sin did not begin. There was an act of disobedience, but sin did not begin with the act of disobedience. The act of disobedience took place because of a sin, because of something that took place in the heart and the mind of humanity. Everybody knows the story, but I just want to rehash it really fast. God created the universe. God created this beautiful, ever-extending, ever-moving, systematic, beautiful, perfectly geared, perfectly working universe and put this world dead in the center of it. And no offense to anybody who's an atheist, and, and all, but I'm telling you right now, I, you cannot know half an ounce about science and walk away from the true reality of how this earth and this world and this universe and this solar system is designed and look at it and say it was not designed by God, that it was some accident, some random stance. To me, it's the most foolish thing on the planet that you look at this earth and the system that God created, the beauty of it, the all the things that are set absolutely perfect, absolutely set, just a little to the right, we burn up, just a little to the left, we freeze. If the gravity was just a little bit more, whoosh, you're squashed, otherwise you float away. There's so many little perfect things that are absolutely set. I it, it takes more faith to believe that this all happened by accident than to believe in the God who created it. I believe that with all of my heart. And I'm not just some preacher that don't know what I'm talking about. You want to get in a science debate with me? I would love it. Love it. God created the universe. And there's a few sentences that we missed, a few powerful realities that we missed. God created this ever-extending universe, and then he brought humanity up out of the earth, and then he gave humanity dominion over the earth, meaning that he stepped back and he said, listen, I'm not going to be your puppet master. I'm not going to, I want to give you the earth. I want you to enjoy the earth. I want you to have everything from the earth. I want you to be in control of it. I want you to have the authority over it. I want you to have the dominion over it. I want you to, I want you to use the trees and the flowers and the fruit, and I want you to name the animals and ride lines. If that's what you want to do, that's what I would do. If I was Adam, honestly, I would ride the lines around. I want you to do all the things that you want to do. The whole world is yours. All right, you, you, they're, they're, you can explore. You can, I mean, think of just the beauty and the majesty. There was a peace and there was a presence and satisfaction in knowing the God of the universe and walking. And there was just this perfect 
harmony in all of the universe. But God said, there's this one thing. There's this one thing. There's a tree that I, that's my tree that's mine and you can't have it. You can have the whole, you can do anything you want. You can explore, you can have, you can taste. Everything is yours except for that, that one tree is mine. And I know we call it the tree of good and evil, and, and, and it is the tree of good and evil. And I know that there'll be some people that really want to fight me over this and call me a heretic. But I just want you to understand, I don't believe that that tree had magical powers that when they ate it, like computer stuff just shot into their brain and then they figured out a bunch of knowledge. I don't think that. What I believe about the tree of knowledge of good and evil, what I believe about that is that that was the one thing, as one uh, pastor said that I heard, he said that was the one thing that made God God in their life because he had given them dominion over the earth. He had given them authority. He had given them the choice to do all these things, to live life, to enjoy it all. And the only thing that made God God, meaning the only thing that kept him as the supreme authority was the obedience and the adherence to this one thing that he withheld from them was this tree. And the reality is, is that if they go and they eat from the tree, it, it, it's not that they're going to figure something out and now they're going to know how to live wicked. By taking a bite of the tree, walking in disobedience, they experience wicked and now they know how to live unrighteously. And I want you to understand the reality. And this is why the thief, when, when he cried out and he said, I am guilty, I want you to understand what he was guilty of. He was a thief, but he wasn't just guilty of stealing. Right, we're all guilty. We're all guilty of the same thing that took place in this first beginning of the universe. Because when, when, when they had their little conversation and they, they gave in to their temptation, there was something that took place in their heart, something that took place in their mind. And I want to be very, very clear tonight what that is, because I want you to understand that at some point in your life, you have done these very same things. And it is for this reason that we are labeled sinners. They said in their heart, in their mind, God, thank you for the earth. Thank you for the dominion. Thank you for the authority. Thank you for the animals. Thank you for the fruit. Thank you for the trees. Thank you for the joy. Thank you for the pleasure. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for everything that you've given us. Thank you for him. Thank you for her. Thank you for everything that you've given us. But there is a part of us now that doubt your true goodness that doubt your true word, that doubt you don't trust you because I think that there's something you're withholding from us. And they made a conscious decision in their heart and in their mind and said, I want to know what it is to live life apart from the God who created me. I want to know what it is to live life. I want to take from the tree and eat. And I want you to understand this is the reality. This is the reality of what was going on. This is what they were saying to God. They were rejecting God as God in that moment. They were saying, I, I believe that we are above you or at least as good as you. I believe that you're withholding something from us. I'm doubting your goodness, and I want to know what it is. I want to live my life the way I want to live my life. I want to walk the way I want to walk. I want to talk the way I want to talk. I want to do what I want to do with this world that you created. I want to take the breath that you've given me. I want to take the land around me. I'm going to take the abilities. I'm going to take my feet, my hands, my mind. I want to take my body, and I want to live my life how I want to live my life. And I utterly and completely reject you as God because I want to know what it is to live life apart from you. The problem with living life apart from the giver of life is you now don't have life. 
And I want you to think about that just for a second. God created the heavens and the earth. God created the universe. God created the systematic world that we live in. He gave us everything we could ever think of. I need you to understand this morning, tonight. <laughs> we don't do this a lot on Saturdays. I need you to understand the reality. The reality of what's happening in this moment. You are alive right now because God formed you you're alive right now because God decided that you should live. Because God knew who you were. He spoke you into existence. He formed you in your mother's womb. He knew the hairs on your head long before your parents ever walked this earth. He knows beginning from end. He's the one that told time when to begin. He stands outside of it and he gave you everything you possess in life. Every talent, every ability, every ounce of intelligence, no matter how small or great it may be. Everything about you, everything about your life, you have it because he gave it to you. And this is what you did. You took the breath. You took the time. You took the ability. You took the strength. You took everything that you are, and you said to God in your heart and in your mind, I want to live life like you do not exist. I want to chase whatever I want to chase, build whatever I want to build, conquer whatever I want to conquer. I want to do with my body, do with my time, do with my mind. I want to do whatever it is that I want to do. And my friends, that is what it is to have the knowledge of good and evil. Everything that is right is right because God says it's right. And when you choose to reject God and live your life, any other thing that you do is now wrong. You have the knowledge of good and evil because you choose to live outside what God says is righteous. And what God says is holy. And in that moment, there was something that was birthed in them. Something that we call sin. And this is the reality. I want, I want you to understand that there are two or three things that took place. And you were born into two or three realities that you have to accept this. And in a minute, there's a lot of stuff you can, can, can debate with me with and argue with me. With, but we're going to get to something in just a minute that nobody in human history can debate. And it's the most powerful thing that you will ever hear if you will choose to hear it with ears. Choose to hear it with spiritual eyes. Choose to hear it with your heart and your mind. You have sin in you. You were born into sin. And sin reigns in the thing that they call death. And there were two or three things that happened in that moment. I need to understand this. God is life. Jesus says that I'm the resurrection and I am the life. He is life. Apart from him, there is no life. He warned them, if you eat from the tree, you will face death. There are two or three things that happened. They died spiritually in one second. They had this separation from God. All of a sudden, the God that created them, the God that loved them, the God that took care of them, the God who provided for them, the God who poured out everything that he could for them, gave them all things. They're running and they're hiding in the woods from this God. And I know that we don't get the power of this, and this is a different message for a different day, but something epic happened. They immediately turned at each other, recognized the shame of their nakedness, and tried to close themselves and run away. Gentlemen, this is the greatest consequence of sin. Just want to throw that out there. <laughs> Think about it. It'll hit you in a minute. <laughs> it separated them from God and it immediately separated them from each other. 
And it brought a curse upon the world. Everything became sore, uh, filled with sorrow. Filled, the Bible says filled with, with, with toil and work. What used to just produce now that needed anxiety and stress and work and, and all of these things and this grief and this, this life. All of a sudden, everything that was beautiful, everything that was perfect, all of a sudden became wicked and evil and destruction. And now the very oceans that were supposed to supply create hurricanes that kill people. The very people that were supposed to take care of the earth, we now destroy it and rape it and take it for what it is and leave nothing behind. That's humanity. Instead of loving each other and caring for each other, we murder and we steal from each other. Instead of loving the differences with each other, we hate the differences in each other. Turn on any news station, read any history book. We are nothing but greedy, selfish, warmongering, racist, rapists, thieves, destroyers, chaos. That is humanity. That is humanity. That's all we've ever done. From day one, that's all we've ever done. From the day that Cain picked up a rock and killed Abel, that's all we've ever done. That's all we know. That's all we know. But there was something incredibly unique that happened. A massive gift of grace, but we, we don't see it like that sometimes. A lot of times people will preach or teach and they think in their mind that God kicked uh, humanity out of paradise or out of garner, away from him, the source of life, as in some act of punishment because of the sin that they committed. It was far from that. God understood something that was something now in them. There's something that you're born in. There's something now in humanity, this sin that causes chaos and destruction and death. And he said if they stay with us and they stay connected to this life source and they, they stay alive forever in that, there will be no hope for them. And so he sent them away so that there would be hope, so that he could take care of this issue, this thing. And I want you to just think about this for a reality. He knew that if they stayed and they lived forever in that state of wickedness, there was no hope. So he sent them away, assuring that they would have to face death. And somehow in that death, there would be hope at some point, sometime. And so th this is the thing that I want you to think about. This is the, I, I, I don't want you to think about about the Adam and Eve. I don't want you to think about Satan. I don't want you to think about uh, your mom. I don't want you to think about the date that didn't make it tonight and you're concerned that maybe she went to another church with another dude. I don't want you to think about anything else that's happening. I want you to think about this reality of your life. There is something in you called sin, and you know it. You know it because whatever standard that you set for yourself, you don't have to believe what I believe is, is right and moral. You don't have to believe that. But everybody does have a standard. Everybody does have something that they say this is right. And this is how you know that there's something in you called sin. Sin means miss the mark, by the way. It, there's something in you that you, because whatever mark you set, you can't even live up to your own standard. You, no matter what your standard is, no matter what the rule is, no matter what the law is, no matter what it is, no matter what you set before you, there's something in you that causes you and you have the inability to live up even to the standard that you call right yourself. You ever thought about that? You ever thought about the reality that the odds, do you understand the odds of all of this earth taking place and being created by random chance, by accident? Do you understand that, that it's absolutely empirically impossible? And do you know the, the, the chance that you're taking with your life? 
to go through this life never pondering the reality of a creator, never pondering the reality of God. And now I'm about to say something because this is, this is the, the heart, and this is something the Lord laid on my heart last fall. I'm about to say something here that should absolutely ruin your life. I'm glad you came tonight. And truthfully, I hope it does. I hope it destroys your world. I hope it wrecks everything. I hope it paints the picture of reality that you should know in your heart is true. There's something about the thief, the thief, the, the, the essence of his heart, the essence of his questions, the things that he's saying. There's something going on in his heart. And he, he got a gift that day that most of us never get, that most people don't get. He woke up that morning and he knew beyond the shadow of a doubt, today is the last day that I will walk this earth. There's something about staring death in the face that will open up reality for you. And this is the thing that nobody can argue with. This is the thing that nobody from beginning to end that nobody can argue with whatsoever. Everybody in this room, everybody in this room, you will taste death. Period. You will die. Now, I just want you to think about that reality just for a second. Because I want you to understand, if you think that the only reason that Jesus Christ hung on that cross was the forgiveness of your sins, you are massively mistaken. He had to take care of the sin problem so he could take care of the real problem of humanity. Though what Job calls the king of terror, and that is capitalized word, death. Everybody in this room will taste death. And I want you to understand what death does. I want you to understand why Job describes death as the king of terror. I want you to understand why God sent them out. I want you to understand the reality of death. The reality of death makes every single thing in your life absolutely worthless. Now, I want you to just chew on that for a second. You don't ever have to come back. I love you. You don't ever have to come back. But you're sitting here, so you might as well, for a second, think because this could save your life. Death makes everything in your life absolutely 100% worthless. Everything outside of a few eternal things like the soul of your child and the essence of the reality of a creator, everything else that you get up and you do, death will take the game from you. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can build that death will not destroy and take from you. There's no level of greatness that you will achieve in life that you will be remembered by more than your great-grandchildren, and most of you, not even then. You don't even know 25% of the American presidents. You think somebody's going to remember you. Think to yourself right now, do you even know your great-great-grandfather's name? No matter what life you live, no matter what level of human greatness you get to, death will take it all from you and your great grandkids won't even know your name. They will just know that at some point or another you did a thing and that gave them a chance to live and that's it. There's no house that you will ever acquire that death will not take from you. There's no car. There's no amount of money that you will ever possess or save up that death will not take from you. You can go through every single area of your life and if you are humble just for a second and if you are honest with yourself just for a second and you will stop feeding into the greatest attack of Satan on the modern age and that is distracting you away from the reality that you are here today and gone tomorrow. That you will breathe one day and then you will never 
never breathe again, that there is an essence of a thing called death. Satan is not trying to work hard to destroy you or kill you. He is trying to distract you long enough that you don't find the essence of the power of considering your own death. There is no degree that you will ever get that will stand up as a worth against death. There's no amount of science. There's no amount of meth. There's no amount of, of English. There, there's nothing. There's no books that you can read. There's no amount of knowledge that you can gain or possess. There's nothing. There's no business that you can grow or build. There is nothing. I, I don't know what else to say. There's nothing that you can wake up and do with your life that death will not take from you, period. So this will do one or two things. It'll do the thing that it should do. It should destroy your world as you know it. And when you wake up tomorrow and you're like, I'm never going back to church again, I just want you to remember when you go to work on Monday, it's worthless. There's nothing you'll ever do that death won't take, period. That's why Christ had to die on a cross with your sin because your sin is the reason why you will die I need you to hear me you're not going to die because the car was going too fast you're not going to die because you've got cancer you're not going to die because you've got some sickness you're not going to die because you got too old you're not going to die because you smoke too much you're not going to die because you drink too much you are going to die in this life because you chose to live a life apart from the God of life you rejected God completely, utterly and completely. But God loves you so much. But God loves you so much that he promised from day one that I will make a way for you to come back to me. And that is the essence of Christianity. That is the essence of Jesus Christ. That is the essence of, of the gospel. And that is why a few of us in this room, while we celebrate, that's why we come to a moment like this and a weekend like this where we stop and we pause and we celebrate and we worship and we praise God because we understand the reality of who we are like that thief on the cross. We know that we're sinners. We know that we've taken the breath in our lungs and we've wasted it. We know that we've looked at God in the face and we said, we want to do life our way. We know that we have taken what little time we have and we've thrown it away, chasing nothingness. We get it. And we know we were lost. And we know how dark this world can be. We felt it. We've walked in it. But then we found life in Jesus Christ. Jesus came. The Bible says that all of the sin of humanity that is in our flesh, that he bore all of it on the cross. And I want you to understand this. And this is something, different message for a different day. There's a reason why God had to send them away because they couldn't live. Because if they lived forever with the sin in their life, they had no hope. It is your death that the enemy meant for evil. It is actually your death that will free you from your body of sin. Christ took on that sin. He died on the cross and he conquered sin. It was in his resurrection that he took the keys of death away. And there's no other way to say this, and so I'm just going to say this. Some of you will hear this message like you've heard it before. 
Some of you will hear another one later. And you'll go through your teens and you'll go through your 20s and you'll go through your 30s. And life will start passing you by. And if you're lucky enough, you'll live to be old. And then one day you will find yourself in the same place this thief on the right found. You'll start to really imagine the reality of death. And the closer you get to death, the more worthless you realize this earth really is. And you'll start to ask the questions you should have asked the whole time. And you'll start to think about the things you should have had. And in God's grace and in God's mercy, he may open up your heart and your mind and you may find Jesus. But right now, I believe with every ounce of who I am, I believe that Jesus Christ is here in this very moment. The essence of sin began when humanity doubted the goodness of a God that they could see. And the beginning of true eternal life is believing in a God that you cannot see with your eyes, but you can feel his presence. Right after the resurrection, he began to walk with two men. And he began to share some words with them and tried and showed them the way and showed them the life and showed them who he was. And later on, when they confessed that they knew that it was Jesus and they saw it, it said that inside their hearts, it said their hearts were on fire, that their hearts were burning, that Jesus Christ has a way of letting you feel his goodness and letting you feel his peace as he calls your name to himself. And I'm going to deliver this reality of humanity. And I don't want to break everybody's life down to one simple thing, but this is how I choose to believe now and see the world. Every single person on this earth, every single person in this life are those criminals on the cross. You are guilty of sin. You are guilty of the same sin of humanity that all of us are. You've taken the life that God gave you. You sped in his face and you chose to live life your own way. And some of you will be like that thief on the left. And you'll sit here right here and you'll mock and you'll abuse and you'll throw out words and you'll say things and you'll quote things and you'll be bored and you'll play on your phone and you'll walk out of here. And life will be what it is. But some of you are like this thief, the criminal on the right. But right here in this moment, you don't have all the questions to ask and you definitely don't have all the answers, but you know that there's something about the name Jesus Christ. You know right now in this moment, there's something about the gospel. There's something about that truth. You've heard it as I've started to walk through it. You felt it during worship as I walked through the, the story, as I walked through the gospel, as I walked through the scriptures. There was something in you that just began to burn. And you don't have all the answers and you got some questions. But like that thief on the cross, in your heart and in your mind, you want to turn and look at Jesus and say, I don't know where you're going, but I know that you shouldn't die. And will you remember me when you get to your kingdom? In the Greek, it says that he was saying, meaning that it was a repetitive thing. That means that Jesus was on the cross dying, breathing his last breath. And the thief, understanding the desperation, started saying over and over, remember me, Jesus. Remember me, Jesus. Remember me, Jesus. Remember me, Jesus. Remember me, Jesus get to the kingdom. Jesus looked and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. In a few minutes, we're going to celebrate with some people. They're going to come. They've given their lives to Christ. They found this true eternal life, and they're going public with their faith through baptism. And we're going to worship, and we're going to sing that song, Living Hope. And I want to ask you a question tonight, right after I make one final statement. 
everybody in this room, you don't have an answer for death. You don't have an answer for death. And because you don't have an answer for death, you do not have an answer for life. Because it's only in answering the reality of death that you will find what life is really about. And this is why the people next to you, while you're looking on your phone and drinking your drinks and don't get it, while the people next to you are weeping and lifting their hands and they're worshiping, because they have found the one who has the answer for death. And that is the risen, resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. There is power, power in his death. And there is power in his resurrection. And apart from him, you do not have an answer from death and you will die. And this is scripture and this is the cold hard truth. This isn't a fear tactic, this is reality. You will die and if you die in your sin apart from Christ, you will suffer the greatest anguish. There are no words in language that could describe the pain. And forget what it may be, the reality of it is it will be eternity separated from the God who loves you. It'll be eternity separated from life and peace and love and joy. You will die. And if you die in your sin, you will suffer for eternity. But when you die, if you die in Jesus Christ, you will experience a life in this life and you will experience a life on the other side of death that cannot be described by human language. And there is a peace and there is a joy. And Paul says that the gospel is foolish to those who don't believe, but that it is power and freedom to those who believe. And I stand before you. I was a sinner lost in this earth, but I felt the presence and the power of Jesus Christ, and I put my faith in him. And I'm going to ask you tonight, even if there is just one, if there is just one tonight, as I'm going through this, you feel the presence of God in your life. You feel God calling you. I'm going to ask you in a minute when we worship, when we worship in just a minute and we start to baptize, if you will please come to the front and have a moment with God and let us pray with you. If you will come in this moment, walk down here and worship and have a moment with God and pray to God, your Father, your Creator and put your faith in him. I promise you that you will find life the way it was meant to be. And you will find a peace and a joy in this life that cannot be described. You will find freedom. You will find satisfaction. You will find worth in a life that is otherwise worthless apart from Jesus. And that's the invitation if you feel the presence of God calling you, come and give your life to Him. Come and lay down your life. Lay down your burdens. Lay down your sorrows. Lay down your anguish. Lay down your sin. And He will forgive you in a moment, in a second. It's already been taken care of. Come if you feel the presence of God. You guys are still.